Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. All right, everybody, welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Today we are looking at Leviticus 17 and 18, because I read too much yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So if the Day of Atonement fell oddly placed, that's why. That's because I (laughs) misplaced it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so today we are looking at chapter 17, which is rules about blood, essentially, and chapter 18, which is a call to sexual purity. And so as we're reading over these things, uh, what stuck out to you, maybe in 17 first, and then we'll look at 18 second. I think the idea of almost like fabricated holiness is what comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think of that is because it seems like there are a lot of instances that are touched on, whether about giving an offering in the right place, like actual physical location, or sexual relations are just like, they're defiling what was meant to be pure, Mm -hmm. I guess. Like people are just taking matters into their own hands and defiling what was pure and perfect from God in his very explicit instructions. Yeah. So that was interesting to me. Something that's happening here in Leviticus, Leviticus basically exists in three basic parts. The first part of Leviticus is chapter one to chapter 15, and it explains like ritual purity. Like Mm -hmm. this is how you approach the Lord. This is how you stay clean when you approach the Lord. Chapter 16 and 17 are the Day of Atonement and the significance of blood, I think, as it supports the Day of Atonement. I think that's how they fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just basically saying that the Lord takes blood very seriously. Life is in the blood. And so you can't waste it. You can't mistreat it. You can't You can't try to offer it. it on your own behalf. It has to be done with a priest and in the tabernacle. Yeah, that is something interesting that's in chapter 17 is there's this weird line about goat demons, which <laughs> I am very tempted to get like really wound up and like, whoa, what are the goat demons? Mm-hmm. But it, it's part of this law essentially that is you can only bring sacrifices to the tabernacle to be offered by the priest to the Lord. Mm-hmm. You can't be secretly offering sacrifices somewhere else. Because if you're offering sacrifices in secret, they're not to God. They're to something else. And so it is calling them out like, hey, I'm aware about these goat demons that people sacrifice things to. That is not what you're going to do. You are not allowed to do that. Well, what's interesting about that, too, is that the priest, well, Aaron and his sons have already seen how when not taken seriously in the actual presence of God, that you will die. So when you're trying to do that without even being in the presence of God, you start tampering in other gods, demonic forces, like that's just pretty creepy, actually. So the third part of Leviticus, like the first part is ritual purity. The second part is the day of atonement and blood. The third part is a call to holiness. Yes. A call to holiness. It's like moral purity. Um, That is why a lot of folks look at these things and they say, you know what? We're we're not really bound by necessarily the first part. Uh, The day of atonement is ultimately accomplished in Jesus. So essentially this part that we're moving into is about morals and how to live upright before the Lord. It's going to be less about uh, priests and tabernacle and more about the individual Israelite living a life that's honoring to the Lord in his everyday life. And so chapter 18, if you're looking at the headings, is all about sexual relationships. And I mean, if you are sort of familiar with the Bible, particularly in pop culture today, I'm sure you're aware of passages in Leviticus 18. 
uh, because it gets a lot of discussion these days. So Jenny, as we're reading through Leviticus 18, what are things that pop out to you? I was underlining earlier how I've seen at least three times, I might have missed it, but as the, the Lord is giving these different rules and statutes, they call them, about sexual purity, over and over again, I keep hearing, I am the Lord. Yeah. I am the Lord. I am the Lord, your God. So not to be mistaken that this was just some rule set up by Moses or some rule that was set up by the priest. God is very firm and says constantly, I'm saying this because I am the Lord. I am your God. I am in charge. This is what I require of you. Yep. So I think sometimes it can be very easy to get caught up in, well, that's just what Christians think. Yeah. Or that's just what they say. That's just their rules. No, it's actually God's rule. It's so crazy. And I think that's just a comfort to me knowing like, this is what God requires. There's no wiggle room. This is what he says. And this is what he means. So God does call out, hey, I'm giving you specific regulations because I am not going to allow you to live like you did among the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. I am not going to allow you to live like the Canaanites that you're going to take, which is kind of interesting because there is a promise there that you are going to come into this land. Right. Uh, it's easy to pass over that. But God's saying, hey, you're headed to this land that is inhabited by Canaanites and you are not going to live like them either. And so it is this cultural distinct uh, way of life that honors God. I think that's also why he says, I am the Lord. Mm -hmm. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. He's saying like, I have authority. This is who I am. You are my nation of priests. And as my nation of priests, this is how I'm going to require you to live. Mm -hmm. And so you will get some things in here that are pretty common sense. It's like, Hey, you know, don't, don't look at your naked dad. Don't look at your naked mom. Right. A That's embarrassing. Like We're not into that. Incest. Uh, there's a lot of rules against incest. There is uh, Leviticus 18, 18 says you shall not take a woman as a rival wife to her sister. Um, think about Rachel and Leah. Yeah. God is saying, Hey, one wife. That's what I desire. That's what I've required from the beginning. Uh, there's actually a, a footnote in the ESV study Bible that says most of the marriages in the Old Testament where there is more than one wife did not work out super great. Uh, we're going to see again where God actually requires that when there becomes a king, the king only has one wife. They're not going to mm -hmm. listen to that either. Um, so a lot of this makes a lot of sense. I would also say that there is an interesting piece in 1821 where it talks about offering children to Molech. So Molech, I hope I'm saying that right. Yep, it's Molech. Okay. Um, was a pagan god that our little, well, what do you call that? Our little... It's like the footnote in this book. Footnotes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Say that oftentimes when children were offered to this god, they were either offered up as like young children that would be future prostitutes or would actually be like a, an offering that was burnt by fire. The, it does say in the notes that it was more likely that it was the prostitutes because it's included in the section about sexual relations. Yeah, it almost certainly has to be because yeah. it's in the the section that is like sexual ethics. So there you go. Sex trafficking right it, there. Boom. Um, so now we step into Leviticus 18, uh, 22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It's an abomination. Um, if you've been in church world, you know, recently, if you've been in the world period recently, uh, Andy Stanley just called this one of the clobber passages. Um, it's like, 
it's a passage in the Bible that says, hey, homosexuality is not permitted. That is not honoring to God. It's an abomination. And so this is, there's obviously a ton of debate around this passage. Uh, I am a youth pastor at a local church. This is a passage that gets brought up often because mm. this is something that is very present in the cultural conversation, in the church conversation today. Well, when we look at the footnotes again, it is like a, a callback to Genesis 2, where it says these activities are at odds with creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole point of of Abraham was that all of these generations to come were going to be his his like the people of Abraham, the the sons and daughters of Abraham. And I mean, when you think about it, down to it, like basically, like it is at odds with the plan that God has. Like we want to continue to produce generations that are going to serve and love God. Um, and so the idea of homosexuality act or homosexual activity is not going to produce said heirs either. Um, so it's just like there's so many levels of it, and that's just one like very super basic that just came to mind, but. Um, I just feel like, again, I come back to, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord, your God. Um, and that just, to me is, it just, it's so black and white. (laughs) And I feel like we allow it to be a very gray muddled area. We're going to see this held up as a pretty consistent ideal in Christian life. Romans one is going to reference how homosexuality is at odds with what God desires. Um, we're going to see a sexual ethic, uh, developed in Paul's letters, um, you're, you're already talking about Genesis one and two. It, it's very, I think, straightforward to look at the Bible and see that homosexuality is prohibited by God. Um, there are folks that try to make a case through scholarship and the use of original languages and stuff. I've seen people make the case that committed same sex marriages are not against God. I've seen people make the case that these passages are actually referencing like child prostitution kind of situations. Um, I've seen people try to make the case that the the language used in the Greek and in the Hebrew was actually referring to men taking advantage of other men instead of being consensually committed. I think like in having studied the Bible for a long time, that it just doesn't it just doesn't hold up. It's just not true. Um, I, I don't think it's possible to honestly study the Bible, to honestly look at the history of the way that Christians have lived out adhering to God's law and say that these passages are not in fact about same sex relationships. Um, obviously in culture today that is complicated as people are more comfortable admitting that they have struggles with these kind of relationships and identities. I think it is important for the church today um, to love and care and, you know, be compassionate toward people who are struggling with sin. So it's important that we are gracious and compassionate, but it's also important that we represent the truth um, because we've mm-hmm. talked about Nadab and Abihu a couple of days ago. You know, they, they just offered a different fire before the Lord and the Lord judged them as unholy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I talked a couple of days ago about the pastoral mandate that we have Um, to bring people into truth, into true worship of the Lord. And one of the things we have to do is adhere to what the Lord is saying. And we're going to bump into some other rules that God has that are like, wait, why don't we do that anymore? And so we will talk into that. We will speak into that as we bump into those topics. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think if if you are really committed to honestly serving the Lord and understanding his word, it's very hard to look at this passage and see that it's anything other than prohibiting uh, same-sex 
relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, specifically same sex, sex acts. And so we want to handle these things well, knowing that they affect real people with real lives and real struggles and situations. And so I don't want to take this lightly, but I also don't want to lie about what God has called us to. Mm -hmm. And so it is making sure that as a church, we do this well. Mm -hmm. So I think the passage is clear. I think we're going to bump into more passages as we walk through the Bible in a year that are also very clear. Uh, If you want extra credit, you can look uh, for the Didache. The Didache is like this first century Christian discipleship book. It explicitly calls out homosexual relationships. Um, So that is not the Bible. But it's like a it's like a manual that people used, like just a couple of years after Jesus, to teach Christians what it meant to live like a Christian, and that language is very specific. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's very hard to read this honestly and come away with anything other than homosexuality is not permitted. Um, just like all these other things are not permitted, like mm-hmm. incest is not permitted, bestiality is not permitted, um, offering your children as prostitutes not permitted. We want to live lives that honor God, so we want to submit to his word. I understand that sometimes it is very complicated for people uh, to be able to do that, and so we want to be gracious and compassionate. We want to pray for people and care for people, but we want to represent the truth uh, in how we teach and live our lives. So just to wrap up uh, Leviticus 18, I know we focused specifically on verse 22, but what's happening in chapter 18 is God's going to wrap up those thoughts by saying, Hey, people have done this before and they lived against my statutes before and the land spit them out because they made the land unclean. And so God is going to tie his requirements in chapter 18 specifically to his covenant of giving them the land. Like, Hey, if you don't live this way, the land is going to spit you out and you're not going to be allowed to live there anymore. And then he says, I am the Lord, your God. So it's saying like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I require. You need to live the way I've asked you to live. Uh, that's going to become a p- important later on when the people are judged and they are, in fact, spit out of the land. Uh, so that doesn't come for quite a while, but we will see that happen. So as we have read over Levit- Leviticus 17 and 18, Jenny, what do, you think, uh, what do you think of your part is for today? Again, I think it's, it's very easy, especially today, to think of God especially as we read some of these things and what has become like quite the norm for many people that God is super legalistic. Um, There's like no mercy, no compassion for people that struggle with this. Um, But I think something that I kept saying in this episode is that the Lord keeps reminding Moses, I am the Lord. This is what I require. And it causes me to think even more so like, God is laying out what is necessary to approach him and what his people need to follow. But if you take it even step like a step further, is that same God that many people are like, oh, that's so legalistic. He's actually like, he's guarding us. Like he is putting himself out there saying, this is what you need to do if you want to approach me. But even after that, we see later on down the road in the New Testament that God is so gracious that he, and is so merciful that he sends Jesus. Like, what kind of God is that? What kind of legalistic God would send his own son to die as an ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world? Not a legalistic one at all. Um, So I think that is just something really 
like a real challenge for us, especially the, the world we live in today, for sure. Um, just a reminder that God is not just floating around thinking about ways to just come down and judge, judge, judge. He has set up, like set apart rules and parameters for us to be um, upright and like wholly set apart people f- representing who he is um, and cared so much that he sent his son to die for us. So um, just viewing the Lord in that light today, remembering what he requires of us and that it's pretty straightforward um, in the Bible, what he expects. So just remember that today. Remember the the amazing sacrifice that he made on your behalf. Um, yeah, and hopefully keep on seeing that over and over and over again, even in these Old Testament passages. All right, guys, tomorrow we'll be looking at Leviticus 19 to 21, and I'll finally read the right passages on the right days. So we'll see you then. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our take on God's word. Stick around and listen to the word uh, on the second part of the podcast. Before we get in there, uh, we just want to remind you, you can connect with us at any time on social media and YouTube at God's Plan Your Part. Also, we are a listener-supported podcast, so if you ever want to help us out with the ministry that we're doing, uh, you can do that by clicking the link in our description. And now, here's the reading for today. Leviticus 17. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the people of Israel and say to them, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. If any one of the house of Israel kills an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp or kills it outside the camp and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it as a gift to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, blood guilt shall be imputed to that man. He has shed blood and that man shall be cut off from among his people. This is to the end that the people of Israel may bring their sacrifices that they sacrifice in the open field, that they may bring them to the Lord, to the priests at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to the Lord. And the priests shall throw the blood on the altar of the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and burn the fat for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons, after whom they whore. This shall be a statute forever for them throughout the generations." And you shall say to them, Any one of the house of Israel, or of the, the strangers who sojourn among them, who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice, and does not bring it into the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it to the Lord, that man shall be cut off from his people. If any one of the house of Israel, or of the strangers who sojourn among them, eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood, and will cut him off from among the people. For the life of the flesh is the blood. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, no person among you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger who sojourns among you eat blood. Any one of these people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them, who takes in hunting any beast or bird that may be eaten, shall pour out all its blood and cover it with earth. For the life of every creature is its blood. Its blood is its life. Therefore I have said to the people of Israel, You shall not eat the blood of any creature, for the life of every creature is its blood. Whoever eats of it shall be cut off. And every person who eats what dies of itself, or what is torn up by beasts, whether it is a native or a sojourner, shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. Then he shall be clean. But if he does not wash them or bathe his flesh, he shall bear his iniquity. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, 
Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach any one of his close relatives to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your sister, your father's daughter, or your mother's daughter, whether brought up in the family or in another home. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your son's daughter or of your daughter's daughter, for their nakedness is their own nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, brought up in your family's family, since she is your sister. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She is your father's relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your mother's relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother, that is, you shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and of her daughter, and you shall not take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are relatives, it is depravity. And you shall not take a woman as a rival wife to her sister, uncovering her nakedness while her sister is still alive. You shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she is in her menstrual uncleanness. And you shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife, and so make yourself unclean with her. You shall not give any portion of your children to offer them to Moloch, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And you shall not lie with any animal, and so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with. It is a perversion. Do not make yourself unclean by any of these things. For by all these things the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean. And the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you shall keep my statutes and my rules, and do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For the people of the land who were before you did all these abominations, so that the land became unclean. Lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, the person who do them shall be cut off from among the people. So keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you, and never to make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.